0: Um, We are going to get into the Word this morning, and it's kind of funny because Corey is um, making fun of the, uh, what was it, the preschool graduation he went to? (laughs) He he shared that with us this week. But I just say that's because Brandon hasn't graduated yet, (laughs) because I bet you, you all have invitations to Brandon's preschool graduation party when it all comes down to it. So we were actually, this week, uh, with the graduations and things that are happening around town, um, it's, it's kind of the season, and you know, praise God for the weather, right? I mean, it just turned like that, and how awesome it is today. Like, if you didn't come out of your house this morning and just thank God for the day that He made for us to live into, I, I don't know, I mean, I'd love to talk to you about that, because I came out and was just like, like, Instant, grat- instant gratitude to God for what a glorious day He has given us. And uh, man, the grass is growing like crazy, right? we got all that rain and now the sun and it's just, it's just nuts. Like it's beautiful out there. So praise God for the day that we've had. And we've had a few parties already, graduation parties and things like that. And um, this morning as we get into the Word, something kind of came to mind about uh, what we're going to talk about. And it was actually Brandon I wanted to talk about for a minute this morning. I was at a barbecue, and uh, Brandon was uh, laying over on a a little towel or a little uh, blanket on the ground. And, you know, he's being cute because that's his full-time job. If you haven't seen him around here this morning, I think he's got a uh, tough cookie bib on <laughs> today. Uh, so he, he's just, his full-time job is to be cute. And as he's being cute, he begins to grab one person's attention and another person's attention until he ends up completely enshrined or encircled in faces, young and old alike. And what's really funny was some of the kids, one was Kylan uh, Lay, some of you know her. She was down there and she was just like oohing and ah in his face. And he's smiling and cooing back and and there's this moment, and the children are kind of patting him on the head, and then the other older children who are like, you know, like 10, 11, are patting the three and four-year-olds on the head, and the parents are kind of patting those guys on the head, and it was just kind of this focus that had happened spontaneously at the barbecue. And I thought, uh, man, Brandon sure is selfish. <laughs> no, you know what I mean I'm kidding But you know, there's a time I mean, babies are, are so Like he just lays there and kicks his legs and screams He's getting really good at screaming And he's screaming and kicking his legs And everything that he wants or needs People bring to him and serve him and give him And, and it's, Brandon, it's about you And we hold him and we coddle him And Carrie talked about the five S's last night And, you know, we, we do all these things Where we're trying to take care of this very selfish small person And i say that only because of this our goal as parents is to raise children who can walk and talk right and we work very hard on that and they work very hard on that And, and then we raise children who are going to be educated and, and learn more about the world that they're in and more about life and how it works. And uh, we bring them to church every Sunday and we, we pray that God would move in their hearts, that they would know that the God who made them loves them and that he's revealed himself in Jesus Christ, the Savior. And we pray that our kids would have a passion for Jesus that would humble us as parents, that would challenge us as believers in Christ ourselves. And, and we pray all these things and the prayer eventually ends up in this reality of a discipleship in Jesus that looks very different than someone who is completely self-focused. And so uh, as much as we encourage, uh, we we kind of uh, ooh and ah over babies, and there's a time for that in life for sure, um, there's a time for maturity and a time for growing and and a time that we stop looking at ourselves and start looking toward others. And that's actually what I think that the Word is going to share with us this morning as we get into it today. It reminds me of the uh, warm-up. I don't know why this came to mind for me, but it did. You know, the, uh, the guy, I don't know if you sing in the shower, I sing in the shower, and unless you stand right by me, that's probably the only place anyone hears me sing, <laughs> you know. And, but it reminds me of the, the me, 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 and it turns more into a you, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, you learn that it's a different song you sing as a follower in Jesus. It, 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 life changes, And sometimes it it feels weird because you think, well, where is the, where is the attention and where is the focus and, and who loves me and how is that happening? But the truth is that you're actually becoming a disciple of Jesus when you see that in your life. And that's what we find in the, in the word today. We're going to pick up where we left off and I'm going to invite you in a moment to, to turn with me, um, There, But I wanted to just kind of remind you that that we we picked up on this idea last time of laying down our lives for our brothers, right? And it says um, that 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 is exactly what Jesus did for us. And that, therefore, is what we're called to do for one another, laying down our lives for others. Like literally putting it down, leaving it there, giving it up. Which is a very, very hard thing to do. But it actually… And what we're going to read this morning in the Word is that it's the mark of a disciple to do it, to go from being selfish to selfless. And uh, I don't stand here as one who said I've made that journey fully, but I believe God is calling me to that, and I believe He's calling all of us to that in some way in our lives to stop being selfish and start being selfless. So I'm going to invite you to a moment to open the Word, but as we do, I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning that God would reveal Himself to us. Father God, we come into your house today to sing praises to your name. We pray, Lord, that that's a blessing to your ears. We, we come this morning to give thanks for graduates and, and the great accomplishments that they have achieved, that they've achieved in this life that you gave them. We pray, Lord, that all these things are returning to you as glory and as honor, and that's why we bring them to you and, and pray over them in your name. And Lord, today we come in the very same way as those who are continuing our education in you. Those who admit that, you know, in some ways, Lord, in your son Jesus, we are saved and and we know that and we are so gracious or we're so grateful for that. But in other ways, Lord, we feel like we have so far to go and uh, your word brings about both encouragement and conviction. And so today, Lord, we pray that you would be real to us, that you would manifest, not in uh, some public way, but manifest in our hearts, Lord, today. That we could be drawn ever closer to you and nearer to your gospel that is saving us. Lord, we give you this time. We pray you would open the word to our minds and open our minds to your word. Give us soft hearts and spirits that are in unison with you. We love you and we thank you. We trust you with everything, our children, our lives. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, who is saving us. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to turn, if you would, to the book of 1 John. That's where we've been working for a while now, right? And uh, it's 1 John three seventeen today. Someone this morning uh, came up to me and thought we were already in chapter 4. We're, we're going to get there, I promise. But um, this morning we're going to pick up where we left off. And I'll remind you as you're turning there that this is the last thing we heard in First John was this. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid ho- down his life for us. And the word says this, John says, And therefore we ought to lay our lives down for our brethren, right? So we lay our lives down for one another like Jesus did. And so we're going to pick up in verse 17, page 845. If you didn't bring a Bible, we have them on the end of the seats. We'd love for you to be following along in that and reading the word for yourself. 817, this is what it turns into, and this is going to be a hard teaching, I would say. This is what the word says. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. Right? And we were just talking this morning, Corey's talking about how when you graduate and you begin to have your own income and you start to have responsibility, listen to what the word says. If any of you, listen to what it says, has material possessions and sees a brother in need but has no pity, how can the love of God be in you, right? And so this is the truth of where we live our lives every day, that we find ourselves in a world where there are a lot of needs. And I don't know if you're like me, but we have some possessions. And this word then speaks right to us and where we are. I want to restate it because, see, a question seems like a weird way to do it. It says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity, how can the love of God be in you? I want to restate that as an affirmative statement because I believe that's what the word is kind of saying. It's begging the question. So it looks more like this, when the love of God is in us. Now this whole book, you'll remember, this book is written to those loved by God, right? And you'll remember that this is written to those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, as the Gospel of John proclaims that we ought. And so whenever we believe in Jesus as our Savior, these are things that we ought to see. And this is a very key marker because the love of God needs to be in us as followers of Jesus, and that might sound silly and simple to say, but truthfully, and I don't know if you're like me at all, but there are far too many times in my daily life where I find that not to be true. I find that there are times that I don't see that manifest. I find that this statement that I have material possessions and I see brothers in need, but I don't have pity. And the word says today that that means the love of God isn't in me. And that's a scary thing. And so we should see these things, the word says, it should be normative. And so I'm going to restate this now. It says, when the love of God is in us, when this truth of Jesus Christ is in us, when we really understand that we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, when we know what the atonement of the cross means, and we know what the Holy Spirit living in us means, our lives fundamentally change. And the love of God dwells in us. And that means both in each of us and in all of us. The love of God lives there. And when this love of God remains, the word is meno in the Greek, right? It means to live or to dwell or to exist. Two things happen from this one question. We will begin to see the needs of others. And I want to say that some of us, you know, we do see it. And um, if you don't, I would encourage you to pray about that because I believe that when God moves in your heart and your life, He will give you eyes to see and ears to hear the work of His kingdom. Does that make sense? And so what that means is there will be times, and I have these, and I'm sure you do too, where God will reveal something to you, you will be disobedient in the opportunity, and it will pass, and you will repent, And I believe that that's part of the normative discipleship. That's what it looks like to learn. You learn, you know, uh, I've heard it said before that you learn more from failure than success. That doesn't mean we go on failing forever, but it means when I realize that that was God saying that to me, revealing something to me, seeing the need of another person, when that was God speaking and I did not obey, I repent and the next time God speaks, I obey. And that's the goal that we have in discipleship, that we get closer and closer to continually living out and acting on the will of God. We say these words, like on a graduation Sunday, God has a plan for you. I hope that you grow in him. I hope you listen to him. But how many of us, if we're honest, when we sat down with our college college counselor or we sat down with our army recruiter, did we even ask God a question about it? Is this what you want from me? So many of us are just busy making our own plans at that time of our lives. But this is what it looks like. That we begin to see there's something bigger happening. And we begin to know that God does have a plan for us. I also want to say on on this one point, even though it can feel horrible because you see the needs you know, people, our, our whole culture in our, in our country kind of um, builds resistance in us towards compassion. If you watch the nightly news, they come one after the other after the other. Tragedy, need, tragedy, need, tragedy, need. And you can get cynical and overwhelmed and feel like, I can't do anything. But the truth is that whenever you do see it, whether or not you're obedient, we can give thanks to God because he's revealing it to you. Does that make sense? Even if we are obedient or disobedient, we can say, God, thank you so much for letting me see that. And then if you were disobedient, you could say, thank you for rebuking me for that. And then, Lord, next time, give me a spirit to follow you, to obey again, to be weird. And no weirder than we ought to be, but disciples of Jesus are weird. I'll tell you what I see a disciple of Jesus do when they see something like this happen. In the middle of a conversation, when there is something that's not lining up, whenever God reveals something to them, they will say, oh, wait a minute. How, how are you really doing? Or they'll say, they'll stop and they'll, and they'll say, can, can, I, can I talk to you? Can I pray with you? They'll stop and they'll say, you know, one time I was in that same place and God delivered me from it. And I can tell you that even if you're standing by one of those conversations, you know that God is moving. You know it in your spirit as a disciple of Jesus, and you'll say, yes, that's God's work, and that's where we should be, is not just seeing this, but here's the second part. And if you're with me in your Bibles, the second part of this question, so the first is, I want you to see where it comes from. In 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, that's the first thing, right? And the second is this, that we will be moved to action The word there says, have pity on him. You know, and and pity is kind of a negative word in our culture. You know, like having a pity party. You know, oh, have a pity party. Poor you, poor me. That's not what the word actually says. The word actually says, if any of you sees a brother in need and closes your heart to it, the love of God isn't in you. See, it's not saying you go, oh, you poor thing that's so sad. I I feel for you. That's not what John says a disciple does. John says a disciple doesn't close his heart, but he lets it feel. He lets it know, experience. The word is actually um, compassion to suffer with, that when your heart is open to the needs of others, your heart will break. You know, the word of God would say about Jesus that whenever he saw someone who was in some broken state, he would be moved in his, in his bowels is actually what it means. It means in, his, in this area. The, the word is actually from spleen. It's the center of just this gut-wrenching. Something has to be done. And so there's two parts here. We'll see the needs, and then as disciples, we will be moved to action. We leave our hearts open to what God is showing us. Every day, every day, Every day of our lives, God is saying, look, slow down, look, 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 look. And we just go, and we go, and we go, and we don't listen or obey. And so this is the normative life of a disciple, that you would, when you have the love of God, you will see needs, and your heart will be broken, and it will hurt, and you will want to do something about it, and that is a gift from God himself. So we, we have this um, truth, and this is about material needs, by the way, so I want to start there, you know, we can, we can give things, but I want to show you something, and I'm not going to actually have you turn there, I'm going to pull it up on the screen, but it's written in the book of James, right? Now James, you'll remember, is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, as it were, and he was raised with Jesus in the house, and James himself didn't become a believer in Jesus until after Jesus died and was raised from the dead. So he was there, you know, so if you're, if you're kind of uncertain about Jesus, where you are in your your life right now. The kid who was raised in the bed next to him was unsure about this Jesus guy until he was raised from the dead. And at that point, in the heart of James, a miracle happened. And he gave in to the truth that this Jesus wasn't just his brother or his half-brother or the annoying kid who could do everything right, but he was the son of God. And so James wrote a great little book, and many of you have read it, I know we studied it here at Family Bible before, and and he talks about the practical nature of the faith. But I want to read one little excerpt from you from the second chapter, uh, the verses 15 and 16. This is what it says. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Suppose a brother or sister is going without clothes or daily food. Look at the words. And if one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and be fed, but does nothing about this, his, or does nothing about his physical needs, what good are you to him? Right? And it's, there's a whole thing around it I don't want to get into. But the truth is that James says, What good does it do if you see a need and, and, and you feel compelled and then you say some nice words and then, you, and then you just hope for the best? He says, This won't cut it. This isn't what it looks like to be a disciple. James leaves it there. So I want to kind of throw out three things here, and I'm going to say this because it's true for everybody in the room, whether you're graduating today or whether you've been graduated for like 40 years. There are some things that we can give, and I think God asks us to do it. And, and it's not about, I mean, it's, it's in your life, and it's going to be your testimony. We're going to talk in a minute about what that means, right? But the first is material possessions there are things that God has given us a blessing that God has given us but it's not for ourselves it's for others and we will certainly be blessed by what God gives us so you don't have to like feel guilty for what you have but the truth is that what what the book of John says today is that we ought to give to others right so the first thing you can do is you can give material goods to others but the second thing that we can give as well is time and, you know, I'm finding, it's funny, we talked today, the graduates love to have a little bit of cash in the bucket, you know. I remember graduation was, like, the coolest thing ever um, because you, you have, uh, I don't know, you get, like, you tear open envelopes and there's, there's money in them. <laughs> I know whenever I was graduating, my, I got in trouble with my parents because uh, I didn't even read the cards. <laughs> I just shook them, you know, to see what would come out. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's you're broke, and it's good, and, and it's really cool when people share their material uh, wealth with you. But something even more Transformational is sharing your time with someone else. Just sharing your time. It it means you stop and you take a minute to have a real conversation instead of the hallway conversation. It might mean you're late for an appointment that you've already made with somebody. It might mean that you need to honor the appointment you made with somebody and you give them the time. But there's something about the presence that is a gift that we can actually be with somebody else, unhurried relationships. And that's something that we can, we can do. But I wanna show you one other thing because the truth I think the word shares with us is that there is always something that we as believers in Jesus can give. And I wanna say that it's first our, what God has given us materially. Second, what God has given us in our breath, which is our time. Every day we can give ourselves to someone else. But I wanna to read to you, um, actually I want you to turn there if you would to Acts chapter three. I love this story and it reminded me so much of what we're talking about today. I wanted to share it with you briefly. Acts 3, 2 through 8. It's on page 757 of of the Bibles we have out there if you want to use those. I love this story because it's a story of Jesus' disciples. And, And I want to point out before we get right into it that this is right after they decide to put all their stuff in common, which is a crazy concept. And I'm not advocating for it this morning, but I think we should think about what that means because the disciples put all their stuff in a big pile and then everyone took what they needed out of it, which sounds crazy. Even then, and it sounds crazy now, but that's what they did. And right after that, I want you to hear the story of Peter and John. Now, this is John, right, the disciple, and and, uh, this is their story. Starting in verse 2. A crippled man who was crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going to the temple courts. That one sentence is just a setting They didn't literally see him carrying. It wasn't like, you know, Peter and John saw him being carried. Every day they knew when they went to worship that this guy was sitting out on the curb asking the nice, you know, faithful Jews to give him something. And they placed him at this gate called Beautiful, which just really strikes me. That every day this gate called Beautiful Entering to the house of God for praise and worship was this man who was lying on the side begging for alms is what it says. And so here he is and he's been put there like he's been put every day from the time he was born. He's been brought there to beg for something to have, something to be shared with him. And I want you to see what happens here because you remember they just put all their stuff in common and therefore they're less well off than they used to be. And it says when Peter and John were about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter looked straight at him as did John and then Peter said, look at us right? So here you go. You're downtown St. Louis. This is one of those ugly transactions where like, you know, you got a dollar, you got a dollar, you got a dollar, and you don't make eye contact. And it's even worse because when you do, the guy ain't even looking at you. He's just kind of saying, give me money, give me money, give me money. And Peter says, look at us. Look at us for a moment here. And so the man gave them his full attention, and we've talked about this before, but expecting to get something, he's expecting something from them. Now listen to what it says. Then Peter says this, and I tell you, I love this verse of scripture because I believe it has the very power of God in it. Listen to what Peter says. He says, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I will give to you. And then he says to this man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then picking the man up by his right hand, he helped him to his feet, and instantly his feet and ankles that were, that were damaged from birth were healed. And he jumped up and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And I say that to you because I know right now things are tight, and, and I get that. I still think we have material wealth that we can, we can share when we see brothers in need, right? I don't think we're that broke. But the truth is that if you're a believer in Jesus, even whenever you think you have nothing left to give, whenever you pull out your pockets and you know there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing I want you to remember this verse of scripture that says, in that moment, a true disciple like Peter, like John, who writes this letter, he goes to him and he says, I don't have what you're asking for, brother. I don't have what you need, sister, but I have, or what you want, but I have what you need. And then you can pray prayers in confidence in Jesus. Does that make sense? Now am I saying you're going to have people walk? I don't know. But I'm saying that you can bring healing, you can bring hope, you can bring love just by the truth of who you have in you in Jesus Christ. That when the love of God dwells in us, we are never lacking something to share. That's the truth. And John says this, that when we see a brother in material need, we give materially, but we always have something to give. We always have something to give. And I say that because I want to kind of um, put you on the hook if you've been saying, yeah, but I'm as broke as everybody. Great, you have Jesus in your life. And you can share that great hope and love with someone else. And I want to tell you that a normal, you know, I'm telling you, a normal coin can guy in St. Louis, that that, that, that encounter will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus, if you have that sincere heart and responding. So we always have something to share with others, something that's been given to us, right? I want to go back, if you would, go back to 1 John. We're going to work through this a little more now. We're picking up in, in verse 19. It says this, so he says, I want to actually go to 18 for a minute. Dear children, actually, uh, yeah, dear children, do not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth, right? We talk about truth being lack of lies. I mean, you're genuinely responding to the need. You see it. And sometimes if all you can do is be heartbroken by it with them, that is compassion. That is the love of God being displayed. When their problems become your problems, you know you're getting close to what God desires for you. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. Now listen to what it says. And the word and our hearts, I mean, um, are at rest in his presence when our hearts condemn us, right? And so when we love someone else, this is how that we know we belong to the truth. You know, if, and I know that some of you feel that way. I know some of you feel like, oh, I'm just, it's exhausting because everyone is sharing their burdens and I don't know what to do and, and you kind of feel heartbroken, that that's the work of God and you know that you are seeing things. We always say, God, break our heart for what breaks yours. We sing those songs sometimes. There's a truth that when God is doing that in us, it's his discipleship in our lives and that's a good sign. It's a sign that we have the truth. So we know we belong to the truth, right? we love others. And then I want you to see what else happens when we love others. And this is crazy, but I love it because it's so true. It sets our hearts at rest in His presence. Now, I want you to look at that verse with me in 19 and 20. It says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence, in whose presence? In God's presence, whenever our hearts condemn us, Right? So if, you've, if you are loving others and you've been heartbroken and you've been giving yourself and you've been giving you know, materially and giving your time and then giving what you, don't, what you have when you have nothing else to give and what a story that is, that that's the time that true blessing comes when you have nothing left to give, you, you give the gifts that only God can give. And, and in that moment, our hearts are set at rest before the God who loved us, the God who loves us, and the God who died for us when our hearts condemn us. Isn't that an interesting thing that it says there? It says the hardest judge of your character will be your own heart. That you will, you will say, man, you didn't do that right. Man, why, why could you do that better? And there comes a time that in our living out our lives for others, when we stop being selfish and start being selfless, that our hearts will actually be at rest before God, Right? our hearts will be set at rest before God. Read on in verse 20, because God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. I mean, he knows the genuine response. And that means even when you're there and you know, you're, you're praying that prayer and you go, Lord, I know I was disobedient in that way and, 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 and I don't know why I didn't do it right. And he goes, it's okay. It's okay. I'm making you like me. It's okay. And you can set your heart at rest and even yourself when you accuse yourself God says no 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 no. This is mine. This is my child. This is my work. And so then we can learn and grow in our discipleship in Jesus. And we can become more and more like his son and our savior who was willing to lay down everything for us. It says that God is greater than our hearts. Isn't that crazy? We think that the best thing we can do is say, "Lord, I love you so much." And God's like, "Yeah, your heart's got evil in it, you know." And, and, and He's greater than that too. He's greater than the one who would who would condemn us. He knows everything. Now let's let's read on here in in the next uh, in verse twenty one, right? So it says. Dear friends, and by the way, I want to point out, dear friends here is actually beloved, you know, the ones who are loved by God, right? Beloved in 21, if our hearts do not condemn us, listen to what it says, we have confidence then before God. So if we've been doing this, if we've been living out, if we've been genuinely being moved by the Spirit of God and then giving freely as we've been given— and living this life. and I mean, that doesn't mean I tell you how to do your finances or I tell you what you ought to do with your money. I'm saying that you've been doing it and you know it and your heart's at peace before God even when it accuses you of not doing right. This is what the word says, Beloved, those loved by God, if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have confidence before God, right? And the word confidence actually means we speak freely. Then when we have nothing to hide from the one who knows everything, we can just tell the truth. That looks a lot like confession. And we can say, oh, I screwed that up. And, you know, Lord, I, I, I thought I knew what I was doing there and I was totally wrong. And I, I don't know what happened over there. And, and man, that was fun though. That's one thing that was really cool. And we have this ability to speak to God like we're speaking to a, a great friend. Like we're speaking to one who knows everything anyway and we can just confess it to him. That's what the word means, having confidence before God. It means allowing us to speak freely before the God who made us. And then we receive from him anything we ask. Now, here's where we see Peter and John's truth of Acts here. We receive anything that we ask freely because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Right? And so we, we have that um, uh, ability t- to work miracles. And I don't mean, I I have a hard time with this because I don't mean in that, you know, come forward today. I mean that that, that there are people who need healing and hope all around us. And God has put us there to share it with them. And when we've done these things and we're obedient to his spirit and obedient to his work in our life, we begin to be able to share these blessings with others. And in, in that place, with that broken heart, we can turn to someone and God will work miracles in their life. Are y'all uncomfortable with that at all? I mean, I don't know if you're uncomfortable with that. I'm pretty uncomfortable with that because I know if I was Peter and John going to worship and I didn't have coins in my pocket and I had reached down and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, and that guy got up and walked, I would be freaked out. But that's what the Word says happened because there was so much confidence in what God was doing. There was so much free speaking between their hearts and His that they knew He would do it. And each one of us has that power in us. Each one of us has that truth living in us. And so here's the commands, right? And we're going to wrap up here. Here's the commands that he gives us. And these should sound familiar to you, Family Bible Church. We talk about them often here. But... It it says in in verse 22, and receive anything we ask because we've obeyed his commands and we do what pleases him, right? The things that that God is pleased with, what we are doing, because we're being obedient. And this is the command that God gives to us, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, right? So to believe in his name of his son, Jesus, and then to love one another as he commanded, And these two, and you know, Jesus asked the question, these two sum up the totality. Now you notice a difference here, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, souls, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There they are again. We see this repeatedly in Scripture. The two commands that we have that we ought to be following as followers of Jesus is to believe in God, to believe in His Son, Jesus, and then to love each other in real, tangible, right now ways, right here on earth. And all of these things, all of the truth of this gospel, all of the truth of the miracle, of the miracle about Peter, with Peter and John wasn't Peter and John. It was God, and it was in Jesus. And, and uh, they knew that. And we should remember that, that that's the truth of what we know and who we are, is the disciples of Jesus. And in the meantime, we can just follow him and trust him with it, right? So where we see all of this, I'm going to, I, I want to, wrap it up here, but I don't know if you know Jesus in that way today, and I don't know if where you are in your discipleship with Jesus, if you've said yes to him as Savior, if you've said yes, I receive you as Lord and Master of my life, if you've even said yes, I'll receive your Spirit to follow you, I believe it, that you're living and dwelling in me, that today you don't feel like, but man, there are times when you show me stuff and I'm disobedient. I want to say that today we can ask for forgiveness for that, and we can commit to to following more obediently in the future. And the same is true um, in all of our lives. Wherever you are, you can ask God to help you take that next step towards faith. And you know what it is. I know you know what it is because God's been revealing it to you. All of these things we saw perfectly in Jesus. I want you to think for a minute about what we just talked about about seeing a brother in need and giving materially, seeing a sister in need and giving of your time, seeing the world in need and having nothing left to give. This is Jesus on the cross. This is his ministry to us. This is his great love for the world that we sang. Oh, how he loved us earlier. It was poured out. You remember that the guards cast lots for his clothes, the very last possessions he had. You remember that he gave his mother to his disciple who he loved and his disciple to his mother. And you remember on the cross when he had nothing else to give, when Jesus had nothing else for anyone, it says, the word says, Jesus said, die. it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. And if you don't know that today, you're missing the salvation that God has for you. If you don't know that that Jesus gave everything he had perfectly in what exactly we've been talking about, this form of discipleship of being like the Father, then you don't know Jesus. And I invite you today to receive him. And it's not a show you can do right where you're at this morning. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, you know our hearts and we pray that we wouldn't have those closed hearts of the non-disciples, but open hearts to your word and to your truth. And today, Lord, we ask that in those, that if we, if we don't know you, that you would take us that final step to trusting you. That, that the thing, work you've begun in us to even be curious about you wouldn't manifest in the reality of a, a real relationship that we receive that. That in that last breath, You gave the whole world what no one could get, which is peace with God. We thank you for that truth. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the suffering. We thank you for the clothes that were just gambled away. We thank you for the mother and the brothers that you left. We thank you for the Father in heaven that you left. We thank you for everything you did that we might be reconciled to God And then, Lord, in our lives, if if we received you and we know you and we felt your spirit working in us and we've seen the evidences as, as John has laid out in this book to us, in our life, we pray that we would know it more fully. We do ask for forgiveness for the areas we've been disobedient to you and we pray that you would not grow weary in showing us your way. We ask this week that as we go back into the marketplace, go back into what we call real life, away from our Sunday gathering here, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the kingdom work happening all around us. We pray that your spirit would compel us into that work at that time, that we could be found as obedient disciples, sons and daughters of the inheritance of God, and those who have so much to give. I pray that you would always remind us that what we have to offer others. We love you and we thank you. We give you this time of worship, this time of response, and our whole lives for whatever comes next. We give it to you in the name of Jesus who has saved us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for that. We pray these prayers in his mighty name. Amen.